Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcasts. We're your hosts, Suzanne Kearns and Missy Stevens. We want to help you through everything that happens in the ellipses, from your professional life to your emotional health. You're a mom and so much more. Let's figure out what comes next together. Welcome to the Mom and Dot 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 Podcast, where our mission is to help moms figure out who they are in the ellipses or that dot 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 beyond motherhood. I'm Missy Stevens, mom and dot, dot, dot writer, foster care advocate. And this week I'm an old person with a Taylor's bunion and I don't want to talk about it unless it's to complain. (laughs) Oh, I want that to be my look this week. (laughs) And I'm Suzanne Kearns. I'm a mom and dot, dot, dot writer, LGBTQ ally, and this week Writers League of Texas conference attendee. And our guest today is someone near and dear to our hearts, Ann Immig. Anne is a certified positive psychology coach with a master's in social work, creative multi-hyphenate, and listen to your mother's show founder. And speaking of listen to your mother, I've got, we don't usually suck up to our guests this much, but I've got merch. <laughs> I've got merch. So welcome, Anne. We are so excited to have you here. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. And yes, yeah, so we know you as, uh, like I said, I even have the shirt. I had to get it out of the laundry. It's, <laughs> it's just, dirty. It's seen better days. That's how you know it's a good one. That's a, it's a good one. It gets a lot of use. But so obviously we know you through the Listen to Your Mother show. Something we're going to talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. We would really want to focus on your new, your new adventure. Um, yeah. But just for anybody who, uh, I don't know where they've been under a rock, if they don't know you from Listen to Your Mother, could you give our audience a little bit of a high-level Anne 101 about your career yeah. path and your family, and then we'll we'll dive into your work. Sure. Well, um, I met my husband at a musical theater, so I started out as an actress, and he was a drummer in the pit right by Rocky Mountain National Park in Grand Lake, Colorado. And we moved to Chicago. I'm not going to give you my whole life story, but this is all becomes pertinent, I promise. <laughs> there you go. Um, and we both experimented with different careers, as you can imagine, being artists, both of us. Mm -hmm. Um, and we ended up working with a career coach starting in our twenties, who I still work with. She's still working today. She's in her eighties and her name is Robin Shearer. Um, and yeah, amazing. And part of that journey for me led me back to graduate school where I got a master's in social work right about the time I had exactly the same time I had my first child. So we lived in Chicago for about 10 years. And my mom is a social worker. My sister is a social worker. Like I kind of always knew I was probably going to end up there somehow. Mm -hmm. Um, But then we moved back to my hometown of Madison, Wisconsin. And my husband became a consultant and was traveling constantly. And in 2008, when I had a preschooler and a toddler, I started blogging as like catharsis and just trying to bend all of the parenting stress into humor and really just found connection among creative people online to get through those, you know, decades long days. Um, And then my theater background combined with my social work background combined with my creative writer, community connector person all came together to launch the storytelling project called Listen to Your Mother, which started as just a show that I did in 2010 here in Madison, just wanting to bring community together around Mother's Day because I felt like Mother's Day deserves more than brunch. Yes. Um, and wanting to bring people together on stage and in the audience that don't normally come together. Madison's a very segregated town for as progressive as we you know, tout ourselves as being. So I did that first show very quickly. It all came together in just a few months and oh. put it online, I put the whole thing online. And because I was blogging and I had made all these creative connections, people started to email me wanting to do the show. And okay. that it was very much of that moment. That's why it had this like meteoric rise and mm-hmm. became a YouTube channel and a book and a sensation and really a women's leadership incubator, because as you all well know, mm-hmm. not only did we stage shows all over North America, but people who had never directed or produced or even held events became local producers. And it was just this surge of motherhood storytelling and community. Oh, yes. Oh. It was so magical. I was in the 2012 cast here 
and Suzanne, you were in 2016 and then yeah. later were a producer, correct? Yes. And, and I just, yeah, to that point of, I had never done never. anything like that right? before. That was I had just never stood on a stage and done that mm-hmm. and read my work out loud. And I just, what you did for women, what you did for mothers, helping us as mothers, helping us really amplify our stories. I loved giving motherhood a microphone, thought it was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just always going to be one of the great honors of my life and one of my favorite memories ever. And I won't put words in Suzanne's mouth, but I think she feels the same. I do. And I mean, in addition to that, I mean, doing the producing of it was just, I mean, for a stay at home mom, I mean, that felt like, hey, that's something I can put on a resume. I mean, that's, Absolutely. That, that takes a lot of organization and selling the tickets and arranging the venue and all these things. But even just getting up and speaking in front of a group, that helped me to later feel confident in speaking in front of the school yeah. board and eventually even testifying at the state capitol and doing those things. But I think going back to that community aspect that you were talking about, I mean, that's how I met Kristen Shaw and Leanne yep. Torres, who were the producers that I did my show with. Your show, and, yeah. And then they uh, were on last week's, we do a, a live show of Tipsy Ellipses recording every month. And so we had our, our text thread. I'm sure you have one of these, Anne, <laughs> where yes. it's Most your friends that you get like 200 text messages from yeah. every day. So we invited our, our text thread uh, to come join us. And so Kristen and Leanne are on that. Um, and then, of course, Wendy Ahrens, who was a, one of the original producers of the show in Austin and just someone that, that has been a big part in my life as far as both her and Kristen, like these legit writers who have Mm -hmm. made me feel more legit about my writing and the fact that they actually read it and look at it and say nice (laughs) things about it occasionally. So um, I just, it's just been such an amazing journey and you've given that to women across the whole country and it's still kind of going on in some other markets. So I, I mean, you talked a little bit why you started listening to your mother, but now you've made this, I call it a pivot, but it's a little more than a pivot. It's kind of a, a it is kind of a leap and stepping away. Although it sounds like, you know, the social work aspect has not been too far from your calling throughout life, but really curious about, you know, was it a struggle to make that decision to leave, listen to your mother, make this change? And did you leave it to make this change? Or was that part of a process? Like what what was going on in the head of Anne during all of this? So you might not realize like that decision making process started over five years ago. I mean, wow. so in a nutshell, what started out as this energizing, motivating vehicle that kept me afloat when my children were little became this enormous behemoth that sort of took me for a ride. Mm -hmm. And eventually Mm -hmm. I really got to the place where I'm like, I really want to focus back on my kids. It's so ironic because I used to be like, Mother's Day needs more than just brunch. And then I was kind of like, I kind of just want to have a brunch on Mother's Day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done with this work. to God, yeah. to God. As much as that. it was like soul filling and thrilling and, you know, beyond my wildest imagination, it also was way more than I bargained for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the why, but the how took a lot of planning and execution. And because this project is so near and dear to the communities, the producers, we knew we were just going to like rip it from people's hands. So we, Mm -hmm. in 2016, working with all of the people who were already active on the project, let them know 2017 is going to be the grand finale year. So we planned before that year even came. and, um, And then it turned out I was able to make a deal with a theatrical licensing company so that in fact we weren't even ripping it out of anyone's hands at all which was just a bonus and it required a whole other deal and a lot of work and in fact I still own listen to your mother the the brand and anyone who wants to do it just like I don't know why I always use cats as an example but just like you would do (laughs) cats or fiddler on the roof like you get the licensing for it and you can do it um Mm -hmm. And so theaters have done it. And some of the original, like I just went to the Twin Cities show. Yeah. And that was the first show I'd been to in four years. 
Wow. Um, yeah. So, and St. Louis, like there are still some mm-hmm. cities that go way back and just new people get to do it and it lives yeah. on and that feels really good. And um, what I would say about the pivot is that you can see from the logo, like the word listen is always what loomed largest in the project. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's actually like when I wrote my application up, oh, there it is on the mug. <laughs> Uh, and that was by design. And when I wrote my application for graduate school, it was all about listening. So this is sort of my strength and my personal mission statement in one word and the most important part of coaching. So it made yeah. total sense to me. The backstory is that as I look, so my children are now a freshman and senior in high school, like mm-hmm. room, you know, yes. yeah. and as I start to look ahead, I already know how hard it's going to be to move on to the next phase of my life as much as I'm so excited for my children. And I just wanted to figure out what was next for me in my career so that that wouldn't also be this huge stress I was faced with. Yeah. So I started thinking I was going to finally become that therapist that I intended to become before the whole writing, listen to your mother thing happened. And I started doing a bunch of continuing education prep. I needed to get my license renewed. And it just was not working for me on so many levels. I felt out of touch. I felt like I got this degree 15 years ago and I never got started. I felt behind the ball. And it was going to be a ton of work and cost me money. And like to even, and then become licensed, that's a whole, a licensed clinical social worker is another two years after mm-hmm. it would take me two years just to get the license I used to have. Right. Wow. And the, yeah. So this is when I circled back to the coach that I mentioned earlier, Robert Shearer. And we had talked about my becoming a coach. In fact, in my 20s, I had said, like, I think I want to become a life coach. or I think I want to become a coach like you. And she very lovingly and gently said to me, like, you sort of have to live your life first before you can, like, how about you not be 20? <laughs> yeah, I was like 26, 27, maybe. But, um, and then over the years, she has mentioned it to me and it just never, it just was never the right time and it didn't yeah. feel right. And she had another client who had done this positive psychology coaching certification. And it also resonated because my own mood had gotten really low and I knew I needed to do something about it. So I kind of thought maybe I'll just take a class. Like I'm not going to sign up for the certification right away. And then once I took that first class, I was just, because I also, anyone can become a coach and you don't need any sort of certification or license to call yourself a coach. It's that's where we are right now. And I did feel like I do have this master's degree, but I also, if I'm going to go into the coaching marketplace, I want to have not only a specialty, but I want to feel confident in what I'm offering. Mm-hmm. And that credentials. Is, yeah. And that is what I found. And more than like the letters after my name, having the, like this framework that mm-hmm. um, gave me confidence and that I believed in. And that is absolutely what I got becoming certified as a positive psychology coach. I think we want to talk about that a little bit because yes. it's a term that we don't know, right? Like, it, yeah, we've, we've interviewed a lot of life co- coaches and had never heard of this term, positive psychology. So could you give us a little breakdown of how do you differentiate between life coaching or positive psychology or yeah. therapy? Yes, and then I can. And in fact, you can go to listenlifecoaching.com and click on the blog. And I've answered all those questions for people because they're like the first questions that come up. Yeah, I bet. Yes, I bet. Um, So briefly, coaching is helping people make change in their lives. And it's not advice giving. And it's not being an expert. It's listening, asking a ton of questions, and helping people connect to their strengths and Mm -hmm. helping them kind of co-create their next step. So like that's, that's coaching. Therapy is more digging into the past or when there's a crisis in your life or an overarching mental health situation that's deeply affecting your day-to-day life. So sometimes therapy might need to happen before coaching or Mm -hmm. in addition to coaching. Coaching kind of takes place when overall, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of caveats to all of this, but you're healthy. You might not be happy. I mean, happy is like a loaded term, you know, usually people are in a moment of 
somewhat of a personal crisis, even when they want coaching, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but basically, you need some baseline of mental health before you're really ready to to coach a lot of the time. So that's sort of the distinction between coaching and therapy. But there is a lot of overlap. And I am really thankful for my background that I bring that to, to my coaching. Now, positive psychology. So when psychology began, we didn't have the benefit of brain scans, which is amazing. And a lot of psychology was based on what's not working, dysfunction. Mm -hmm. So positive psychology is really working with what's working is what Tal Ben-Shahar calls it. One of the, there's a whole bunch of, you know, very famous forefathers and foremothers of this work. And he's one of them. Um, Martin Seligman is one of them. And I think the best way to describe So it's neuroscience. And that's what I love about this. And all the tools that I share with my clients are evidence-based and replicated. And I use the tools all the time. And it's not about happiness. It's about well-being. And, you know, there's, it's very easy to see positive psychology and think like toxic positivity. This is all about just like grin and bear it or whatever, you know, (laughs) and it's a hundred percent, not that it's normalizing that to be human is to experience suffering and to experience hardship. And that optimism and well-being is about taking hopeful actions. You don't even have to feel hopeful to do that. And that my favorite like nugget to share in this context is there's a book called The How of Happiness by a woman named mm. Sonia Lobomirsky. And it's all neuroscience and it's broken down well-being into 50% of our well-being, whether we're kind of depressed, kind of happy just by nature is DNA. Like, thank you, mom and dad, grandma, great grandma and grandpa, right? Like we we get what we get. So that's half of it. Okay. Then only 10% is phase of life and what's happening. So let that sink in for a minute when you're like, I need a new job. I need a new marriage. Like maybe you do like a lot of divorces and job changes need to happen. Don't get me wrong. But the knowledge, this is good news and bad news. The knowledge that (laughs) after the change, let's say that is you get the change you need, you're going to go back to that baseline. Mm-hmm. Now, if you're, if you're grieving, you're really glad to hear this information because you feel like you can't even get out of bed, maybe, but you will go back. And if you're like high as a kite with endorphins because of this new romance, you're going to go back to your you're baseline. Back. <laughs> okay. So the amazing news is the 40% that's left over is up to us. This is huge, a huge that chunk is of our, it's malleable <laughs> yeah. and we can change it and we can affect it and you can work on it every day and it's not hard. And it doesn't mean you're going to be happy. Like happy might not feel the same way to you as it does to me. Like, and there is a whole spectrum of positive emotions to pull from. So I'm just going to say one more thing. And I become like a, you know, a preacher about this, <laughs> um, Sing it, sister. Let's go. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, if I used to hear the word optimism, I used to think like happy-go-lucky. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. that's just never felt like me. And never, I'm like, never going to be like, yes, I'm a glasses half full kind of gal. But really, it just means taking positive action in this context. Mm-hmm. And that I came up with this little phrase, optimism doesn't mean opposite. Like you can make the tiniest tweak in your day. You can just pivot toward curiosity or pivot Mm. from despair into a moment of awe looking out your window and help yourself, literally your brain, this is the neuroscience, start from a down cycle, just help it pivot into more of an up cycle. And then the more that you divert your attention and intentionality toward these practices, the easier it is to get into the Mm. up spiral. Yeah, that sounds similar to how the benefits of the gratitude practices yes. and how it rewires yes. your brain in a similar way. So that's one of the big pieces of the research is gratitude letters and gratitude visits. Um, it's one of, you know, a host of practices that absolutely are clinically shown to improve your well-being. Mm-hmm. I say this every time brain science comes up, I think that I want to do more work in brain science. I don't know where that what I do with that. I have no idea what that means, but it's fascinating to me that I think we spent a long time in our lives saying, well, that's just the way it is. That's just the way that person is. That's Mm. just how I am. And 
it's amazing to me that we can literally rewire and change the way our brain's working if we make it make a point to work at it. It's so true. And just to your point about that's just the way things are. Like I always grew up hearing that cliche, like people don't change. Yeah. And what's hilarious is they've done these studies where, you know, if somebody were to ask you to predict how much you would change in the next 10 years, like what music you would like to listen to and, you know, what your likes and dislikes would be and what your beliefs would be. People always way under predict their change. And all you have to do is compare yourself to the last 10 years. And it's like, oh, right. I get it. Right. And the openness to letting people change, letting yourself change, letting the people around you change and not putting everybody in whatever box they were in 10 years ago. I think that there's a lot of resistance, I guess, to that. We don't want people to change. We want to say, oh, you tweeted this thought 10 years ago. That means you're an asshole. Sorry, bleep that out. Well, maybe that was a really jerky thought to have 10 years ago, but people can learn and change. So I'm seeing more people open to that idea, but when there's science behind it saying we really are growing, we need to allow people that space. Yes. Kind of that whole idea of changing also goes along with getting unstuck. Well, we, that's a challenge that we as stay at home moms and that we hear from people in our group and our friend circle that they can start to feel a little stuck in their role, either as a mother or as their role, maybe even in whatever career that they have found themselves in. So just really curious how the work that you do helps get these women out of neutral because those big changes can be really scary, but it sounds like because of your experience and making this big change, you're in a perfect position to be able to help be the living example of how it is possible. So like, how do you integrate then those lessons that you've learned to help your clients move out of that space? Well, that's what I love about this work is it takes the mystery out of it. So we start with a strengths assessment and anyone can go and get a free, it's like a 15 minute assessment on FIA strengths. If you just Google FIA, V-I-A, strengths, it'll give you the right link. And again, this all came out of research, you know, scientifically developed rubric of these 24 strengths that everyone has, and it ranks them and you become aware of your top five signature strengths. And this is so illuminating for a lot of reasons. There will be some surprises often. And usually with those like top five or 10, it's like, yep, if somebody told me I couldn't use those strengths, I wouldn't be me. Mm-hmm. And essentially, if you know, if you want to get unstuck, you have to do something different. So something different could just be hiring a coach or taking a class. You can't expect to keep doing the same things and expect something different to happen. Yep. Right. Um, but with the guidance of, of having your strengths and sort of diving into your strengths, we start to develop strength stories where you can call on what has worked for you in the past Mm. and it gives you great insight for what is going to work for you in the future. Because most, I mean, if we're still alive, we have all survived and become resilient in all sorts of different ways. And we often don't really think about what has worked. It is neuroscience, fight or flight, primitive brain function that we focus on what doesn't work. It's not Mm -hmm. a character deficit. It's just what our brains do. And- Uh To get unstuck from that, you have to consciously look at the full, the full story of what has worked for you and how you can bring that forward. And then there's other tools and, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Some people like to start their sessions with like deep breathing and guided meditations and other people are like, let's get to the goal map and like, just, I am ready to go, you know, (laughs) and other people love writing and might want to do exploration about, you know, one really effective tool is there's a, a study about your a best life study where you, where you write for 20 minutes as if everything in your life has gone how you hoped it would. All your fears have been put to the side. And every day you write it as, oh, it's already happened. And this isn't about manifesting. Yeah. This is about being in the moment of writing this, putting down your anxieties and fears, allowing yourself to become expansive in your thinking and what mm-hmm. you can learn from that. And so you do that four days in a row on the fifth day, you sort of just look at everything you've done. And often you will get close to what you want to do next. Even if it's not like the big picture, what I want to do, it could just be, 
you know, I really miss gardening. I'm going to go volunteer in the community garden. And just some little change Mm -hmm. can open up worlds. I love that because I think that's where Missy and I both started the podcast originally feeling very stuck in the, I don't even know who I am anymore. Like I've been meeting these kids needs for so long (laughs) and we both, we did, we started out with an Enneagram coach and learned some about that. Um, And I just think our types are the ones that just are kind of like, oh, it's fine, whatever you want. Um, Enneagram nine, (laughs) whatever's good with you. And we actually are, I mean, it's not even just being a pushover. It's like, yeah, tacos sound good, burgers sound good, whatever you choose, (laughs) they're fine. But you kind of get that way with the bigger things in your life too. Um, And I recently had a revelation talking um, to a coach we interviewed last week. I'd kind of blamed it on the stage of life of having Mm -hmm. kids and forgetting who I was. But I realized that it was way before that like even choosing a college major where I just kind of, you know, I took this test that had like 20 bubbles that we filled out in <laughs> high school. Yeah. And it said that I should do merchandising or marketing. And I was like, okay, I guess okay. I'm going to go do marketing. And then I just kept doing that. And then I got a job that led to another job that led to another job and never took that time to just sit and be quiet and think about that. So I love that exercise of just sitting down and letting your brain go wild with what that perfect, perfect life could look yeah. like. Yeah. I mean, I think I wrote a story when I'm like, I don't know, I want to say I was in second grade and the teacher loved it. She thought it was really funny and just oohed and odd over it. And I don't think from that moment on, I ever considered that there was any other option, but a career that had something to do with writing. Yes. And I think that Yes, I love to write, obviously, and I still like to tell a story, but I never allowed myself to think about anything else. And I'm almost 50. And so when Suzanne said, hey, do you want to co-host this podcast? I was like, yes, I do, because I don't truly know all the facets of myself that I feel like at this age I should know. I just never even explored them. And so I'm starting to look at the other things that light me up. And maybe I will always come back to writing in some capacity, but I just think there's more there. We lock ourselves into stuff without really giving it thought. Absolutely. And, you know, I would not generalize, but I, this resonates with me because one of the things that really surprised me on my own via strength assessment is that humor and creativity were a lot lower than I would have expected having gotten into the online space as a humorist and having created listen to your mother show uh-huh. and the way they define things matters too but mm-hmm. the reason it was such a light bulb for me is like my top five signature strengths are like love gratitude spirituality uh, social intelligence and perspective i think that was six but people who really know me and love me like that is Anne. though that is yeah. Anne. Mm-hmm. And I was trying so hard to make this other thing, Anne. And mm-hmm. I have those talents. I mean, I did start right. out as a musical theater actress, right? But it explained to me why I used to like kind of berate myself, well, in a million ways, but also like for taking things so personally with, with oh. you know, whatever rejection I perceived or whatever um, mm-hmm. performance I felt like was, wasn't up to par and I would just kill myself. And seeing this on the paper, I realized it's because I had to pull so hard. The humor that they talk about isn't like, can you write a funny post? It's like being lighthearted about life. Right. And I'm really not. Like, I'm just <laughs> not, not either. <laughs> so like, I had to pull. I'm not the person who's like, they don't want me. I'll show them. Like, I wish I was, but I'm not. I'm super Mm-mm. sensitive. And so I just felt such clarity of like, I will continue to write books. I will continue to want to get on stage. I know I will, but Mm -hmm. actually me being my most me is what we're doing right now. Yeah. And just realizing that took so, it just took the pressure off. It took the neuroses out of it. And now when I'm having a tension with someone, I'm less likely to get into the stories that we make up. I mean, I I might go into it for a minute, but then I'll go, Oh no, this is just because I'm not that great at teamwork. And that's, I know that's one of her top strengths. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, or, now how long did that take you? I mean, I don't mean like, was it a three month process? But I mean, people get kind of frustrated when they're like, I'm going to read this book or I'm going to take this class and then I'm going to, it's going to be done. But it's, it's a process. I mean, we've been having conversations on a weekly basis with life coaches for eight months and we're just finally being like, Oh, <laughs> like it does. It, take, it takes a minute to, yeah. to, to get some of these things because we've had these rehearsed, memorized, yes, like the stories we tell about ourselves. ourselves for fifty years now. So I'm just curious what that looked like for you. I mean, it, well, it's I'm, ongoing. It's going to be yeah. my whole life, and I just now feel like I have the tools to deal with it. So, like. One of the most important pieces of positive psychology and sort of like administering this to yourself is self-compassion. And there's a book, a famous book, she's um, Austin researcher, Kristen Neff. She actually has a new book out that I haven't read yet. But, you know, we talk a lot about self-care, but if we don't know how to genuinely allow ourselves self-compassion, mm. which for me means putting my hand on my heart and literally saying to myself, and this is really hard for you. Like that is what I was missing because I am highly self-aware, which also is confusing because usually when I'm most confident about something, I'm wrong, by the way. But, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but because I am highly self-aware in the past, I would have a feeling be like, okay, I know what this is. And then like go immediately into shoulds without <sighs> feeling the feelings and stopping and putting my hand on my heart. I can actually almost like cry <laughs> which is so mm -hmm. good for me because mm -hmm. I would just zoom past it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm not cured of these voices. I never will be, but I have mm -hmm. what used to feel like a mystery to me. Like miraculously, I would find a mantra or a phrase that worked for a while and then it wouldn't work anymore. And now I understand it's not mysterious. And now I have these tools and I still mm -hmm. have to change them and will have to. But I understand now what works and why it works. Yeah, that's what magical. I'm yes. going to start. I need to learn more about it. But I love yes. the idea of stopping and actually feeling the thing. Read Kristen Neff's book, Self Compassion. Okay, that's yeah. a great. I think place someone to else start. told us about that I'm recently, sure and I put it on famous. my list. It may be in one of our lessons yeah. learns, but I. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. We okay. joke a lot when we talk about the book. Sometimes my most common response is, oh, I've never heard of that one. So that <laughs> we say we're going to get a T-shirt of that. So, OK, we're writing that one down. That's yes. Definitely. And then we and will put it in the one, show notes for sure. I mean, there are so many good books, but another one is Learned Hopefulness by Dan Tomasulo. So mm -hmm. an old psychology premise was learned helplessness mm -hmm. and now given how much we've learned a lot, again, because of brain scans and brain science, this big pivot happened with positive psychology and into learned hopefulness, which we do need to learn how to do. So again, it's instead of taking these things, it's like personal default. I'm just kind of a pessimist or I'm just not curious. It's like you can change that. And it's not, it's not you. It's just here are your strengths. Here mm -hmm. are ones that are less developed. And now you know that and you know when you need to be intentional about pulling those up. Yeah. So I'm trying to get it clear in my head. And you mentioned there's a difference between toxic positivity yes. and positive psychology. And it sounds like it's more of the awareness of things where your strengths are. And so you're not down on yourself about the things that aren't your strengths instead of trying to take the things that aren't your strengths and being like, no, you're great at math. Just keep, right. just it's keep not going. That. Not that. <laughs> yeah. And the other huge part of this is growth mindset. And that has become, so mindset is this amazing book and work by Carol Dweck and it is often misunderstood, but I mean, in a nutshell, it's always reaching toward curiosity and continued learning. So, you know, it's not like I'm horrible at that, like become awesome. But maybe it is, first of all, is there a dominant narrative working where you're telling me like, I can't do a podcast. I'm terrible with technology. And I'd say, didn't you figure out how to set up a blog or hire somebody to set it up and tell me yeah. that story. And then you tell me that story and you go, wait a minute. Oh, I know all sorts of people doing a podcast. I'm going to call her tomorrow, mm -hmm. you know? And the growth mindset of like, my, my big first positive psychology aha moment before I even started taking the classes was realizing 
I keep going even when I feel shitty. And oh my gosh, that's growth mindset that you don't have to feel great to keep going. And I don't mean that in an unhealthy way. I just mean, right. Yes. You don't give learning. Or you give up for a time and you rest, but I know I'll come back to it. Like Mm -hmm. another example to put this in terms more people might relate to, like a client who is like, I always work out and I always care about my diet. And then I will just totally give up on it. And I said to her, and you keep coming back. That cycle means you keep coming back. And it's not a zero sum game. This is for your life. So all those times you come back to it count and you can trust yourself to come back to it. Mm -hmm. I like that. Trust yourself. Yeah. That's one of my mantras right now. I trust myself. It's a hard one. And it's so helpful. Like I can walk into a situation where I feel nervous and just be like, I trust myself. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, that's, I love that, but I'm going to, I'm thinking that there's probably people are like easier said than done. Like that's a process too in itself is having that trust. And I don't know. I, part of my, that's a rewiring too. Don't you think that is because teach yourself that you are, you do trust yourself. I don't know where I heard this, but I feel like it's going to be somewhere like Dr. Phil or something like 20 (laughs) years ago, and I'm not going to want it. I'm going to pretend it was like some intellectual book, and one of our listeners is going to be like, yeah, that was Dr. Phil, 1997. Um, But it was this idea of when you make commitments or when you say you're going to do something and you don't do it, like that's training yourself not to trust yourself. And I don't know if that is true or not. But it was kind of like broken promises that you make yourself. Like I, I tell yeah. myself that I'm gonna, you know, write a hundred words a day. A th- I guess it should be a thousand. <laughs> I gotta write if I can write a hundred. No, maybe it should. Sometimes it's a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. But if you continually don't do that, that that degrades the trust that you have in yourself. And so part yeah. of that then is building back up and and you know taking the responsibility to maybe do some of the things that you say to yourself Mm -hmm. that you're going to do well and as your coach i would say tell me about a time you did trust yourself let's go there yes see that's that positive psychology there that's annoying i'm like the worst (laughs) well and you say that and i'm like i don't i don't know like my brain immediately freezes yeah fully but you know what i bet an hour from now you're going to be driving somewhere you're gonna be like I remember a time like I like that idea same thing with the gratitude where you get in the practice of thinking about gratitude throughout the day because you're like if I have to write this in a journal tonight you know I don't want to be like scrambling for something so your brain is just automatically so yes if we put that I'm going to put that question in my head now is like remember a time when I did trust myself and it will, then I'll probably like throughout the day have five or six times where it's like, Oh, this time, pink. Well, and then give yourself either write those props somewhere, give yourself five or 10 or 15 minutes to write about it. Like dig into it. Mm -hmm. It's not just the information you're going to find there. What actually happens to your brain as you are revisiting it helps Mm. you savor it and be able to recall it better. It's just like when you're writing and you start remembering things you never would have remembered. It's the same, same kind of thing. Yes. Uh, Our brains are vast, confusing places. They need a little help sometimes. (laughs) So amazing. So the more I learn, the more I want to learn. So exciting. Oh, and you get to do this now for a living. How exciting. It fills me with zest, which is one of the 24 strengths that used to be so low on my profile. (laughs) (laughs) But it does. I realized like it wasn't just positive psychology. It was specifically positive psychology coaching, which I mean, I'm using it everywhere anyway. Like you, some of you might not ever say I need positive psychology coaching. They just might need help with the project or getting unstuck, but I'm Mm -hmm. using these tools and just asking people questions and watching them light up from their own words thrills me. Thrills me. Oh, yay. Yes, okay. That's a good place for us to say, where do people find you? Yes. Exactly. Are you oh. available? Like, are your sessions available online? To I'm a hundred percent Zoom. So as long as you have a connection or if you insist just a phone, if you hate Zoom, you can find me at <laughs> listenlifecoaching.com and you can look around my website, sign up for a free 30 minute consultation or my five minute mood lift, which is, I so you'll those. find all this there where you get um, just short 
tips, tools, sometimes guided meditations to just lift your day. Yeah, they're great. I look forward to those landing in my inbox. Thanks. Uh, Yeah, definitely sign up to get those because yeah, it is because sometimes you're not at a place where you can even proactively go get it. It's nice to just literally have it land, have the universe send it to your inbox or at least Anne send it to your inbox. (laughs) So even with all that we're learning and we do talk to people almost every day, I still sometimes forget that I am supposed to be practicing gratitude or looking for positive things. And you got to find what works for you. Like, you know, Nancy Davis co-wrote 50 letters in her, in a year ish, you know, her thank you project book. And I, you know, I've written like two in a year, (laughs) (laughs) but I went and I read them to my parents, which was also based on Merton Seligman in one of his positive psychology books. Like he made the gratitude visit. So like uh doing what works for you Um, Hmm. and then it will change. So you're talking about like, the nightly gratitude journal, like writing three things that went well. It could just be three things that went well. But if you get sick of that, it's not going to work anymore. Start writing three things you're looking forward to tomorrow. And it can be coffee, yeah. quiet, and <laughs> granola. Like, and it, But it doesn't matter because you are priming yourself for a good night's sleep by thinking about what am I looking forward to tomorrow in my life? Yes. Oh, I like that too. Yeah. I like that too. I think I'm going to add that to my, I need a bigger, it takes takes all of them for me, you guys. I have to do all of the practices every day. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, and I like that point of if that, if something isn't working for you, like find, find something that does. Yeah. Find what does tweak it, whatever you need to do to to make it more meaningful for you. Yeah. We're not all cut from the same cloth. Right. My clients were like, I cannot meditate. I hate it. I'm like, that's not what we're going to do. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Instead of forcing it, I tried to force my children to meditate. I just don't think they're meditators or at least not now. Yeah. Not yet. Yeah. Not yet. And I would try. I decided it was when I originally learned a little bit about brain science and I was like, we are going to rewire your little brains and we are going to every day after school meditate for a little while so that you can then move into the next phase of the day. I had this plan. Which is video just, games that reverse everything right. you just did. <laughs> right. oh, no. On kids paper, are... this plan was beautiful. And my kids, I'm going to open my eyes and they'd be sitting there looking at each other like. Oh, <laughs> kids, kids are too smart. They smell this from a mile away. Like when yeah. I used to try to practice great parenting tools, I found online, you know, I would be sitting at the table and I'd say like, tell me what you learned today instead of like, <laughs> how was your day? And I swear my six-year-old be, would be like, is this something you learned from the internet? <laughs> <laughs> I have one would go, did you have lunch with your mom friends today? <laughs> uh-huh. It can read it from a mile away. <laughs> yeah, They would know that we sat around the table and discussed these things. Yeah. We'd be like, yep, I can tell oh. you talked to so-and-so today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you tell them about me? Or, or just when they were really little. You don't sound like you. (laughs) Oh, they, you're right. They'd see it from a mile away. They're like, yeah, you have your teachy voice on. Oh, why are they so dang smart? Oh my gosh. And oh, speaking of which I've, I wanted to, but we're running into the time for the look, listen, learns here. But um, yeah, I'm really curious since you've got kids and kind of the same upper ages, like we do in planning for future life in college and all those things interviewing eight months worth of career and life coaches is kind of, it's a really good thing, but it's also kind of freaking me out. Like, cause I'm like, totally. we should, we should really be thinking about a lot of these things. Probably should have been thinking about it, you know, throughout their childhood. But you know, now when some big decisions are coming down the road, um, it's a good, it's a good time to start maybe about some of these things, what some of those core strengths are and your core values. And yes, I just said, to, I, I'm right with you. Suzanne, I feel like behind the ball and it actually pivots right into what I was thinking about. One of the things in the look, listen, learn what I've been reading and listening to some of this, I'm just learning a lot about college admissions. And I think it's fascinating that I had oh, never known, yes. um, especially with like the elite schools. I read this book, Valedictorians at the Gate, which is all about elite schools and how, I mean, nutshell, they encourage as many students as they can to apply 
intentionally so they can reject as many and keep their elite status. Like it is dark, you guys. And it's dark. Really important to know. Um, are you about to pull that from the shelf or something? <laughs> Julie Lithcott Hames. Okay. I just I can't recommend her enough as far as kind of this college. She was not in the admissions, but she worked at Stanford and had a, yeah. I know you know Jess Leahy. Yeah. She kind of had her original book was very in the same vein as The Gift of Failure um, was How to Raise an Adult. Um, and they were kind of published buddies. Like their books came out at the same time and they kind of ran the same circuit, uh, which is where we learned about her. And got yeah, these stories that you hear about. Her point was about the umbrella parents who don't let their kids even come to, you know, college admissions alone. But so the, some of these books also have really helpful tools. Like, for instance, um, just that your essay shouldn't be repetitive of what's already in your application. Like, maybe that's obvious to everyone. But like, if I hadn't have read that, I my my senior is just an excellent student. That's just part of who he is. So I would have thought, oh, we're definitely going to talk about that. That's not what he's going to talk about in his essay at all, because mm -hmm. that's evident already. Mm -hmm. So it's right. how you make yourself a more fleshed out person to them. And yes, I just said to him this morning, I know I, I mentioned the VIA strength assessment to you. Knowing your strengths is going to give you some vocabulary to be able to articulate what it is about you that will be a good fit to this program, this university, whatever it is. Right. Um, so there's, and, and like when you're asking for teacher recommendations, like remind them who you are, remind them of some connection you had and tell them what you're, you've been doing since like practical tips like that. Mm -hmm. um, there's a podcast called the high school hamster wheel that was started Ooh. by a mom friend of mine. And it's just a half an hour, super practical. Yeah. So I am, I feel just like you, a little behind the ball, but also oh, yeah. um, just if you don't have a kid who's like laser focused, it is known since he was in seventh grade that she wanted right. to be an engineer and has done robotics and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's a really good thing to be a generalist. It's easier to get into programs. If you're going to be a generalist, just figure out. So um, there's a lot of good That's news good to, to know. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of good I have news a kiddo who's like, mm -hmm. We're not supposed to know. I mean, I still, you know, I'm just we don't know. This out, right? Yes. Yeah, that's why we're um, doing this podcast because we don't have a clue. Exactly. And so um, I could go on and on because it's giving me some tools and also just kind of like, I really do want to stay out of it. But it's this balance with older kids all the time of like, yeah. how much do I guide and nag and how much do I let them mm -hmm. experience natural consequences or whatever, you know? Yes. Oh. I know and we hired a coach for that very reason. Yeah, and I'm still just... going to have to guide and nag, but I'm paying her to yes. do some of the nagging. In yeah, fact, I'm going to yes. nag her today to, to nag him. <laughs> I mean, he's really nag. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So we're early on that front. Like yeah. he's just a sophomore, but I know oh. there's a couple of things she wants us to do this year. Oh, and geez. we haven't scheduled that meeting and we don't, mm. you know, like there's just some things she was going to sit down and go over with him. So he had them in his head. And so I'm going to remind her today oh, that we need Lord. to schedule that meeting, but my eye is going to start twitching. Well, I can make you feel better. better after I met with um, a local like college expert who's so funny and um, so informative. I came back and I was said to my youngest son, who's like sometimes said something about business school. I said like, well, I found out math is really important and we might want to like double up on math classes that he's eating a cereal, doesn't even take a pause and is like, yes, I'm not going to business school. <laughs> I love it. He wasn't like, oh, Chat, thank cross you. that one off. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, thank you. Let's go sign out. No. And it's like, I'm not doing that. Even with my older son, I was like, well, I found out the University of Minnesota's like College of Engineering is really excellent. And he's like, and in computer science. And he goes, I don't, I'm not really that interested in computer science anymore. I don't even know if I know what engineering is. I was like, okay, <laughs> back to generalists. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I'm so glad we're all in the same book. And that makes me feel better to know that as Good. the professional that you are, you are encountering the same things um, that I am. It's just so different than when we all went to school. 
It is. It oh, is. Yeah. I applied a, to one school and I didn't even have to write an essay and that's where I went. Hell, yes. University of Idaho was amazing. Yeah. Like I applied three months ahead of time and it was just like filling out the paperwork at the dentist's office. It's like, here I come. <laughs> yeah. Get my exactly. room ready. Here's my yeah. check. I will be there. <laughs> yes. Here's yeah. my $800. Yeah. <laughs> now we're like starting. They Someone told me we should do our co- start college visits this spring. I have a sophomore. Like, that. I never looked at a school. I don't know. I on a couple of vacations we went and looked at nearby schools, but okay, I didn't grow up with the whole college tour tradition. We no. were like Midwest practicality. Like we have an excellent institution right in our backyard. Right. If you're not going to go there, that's how much money we'll give you to go somewhere else. And that yep. was just like like that huge college book. I was like, hmm, Florida has palm trees. I mean, literally. I did not. I I was not ready to to go pay bazillions of dollars right. to go out of state if Florida has palm trees was my <laughs> right. Guiding, right. I was going to go to Colorado light. because they had mountains. Yeah. Oh, and you eventually know I worked myself through that and didn't do that. But yeah, that was my first. After like, 10 yeah. years in Texas, I'm ready to go somewhere that has some mountains. I th- oh, I'd, gosh, I'd pay right? for my daughter to I get to go visit her there. Yeah, I oh, am kind my of hoping gosh. my kids pick somewhere with some something else. <laughs> Or you could like rent a condo for probably a lot cheaper. Suzanne, <laughs> just That's take your true. own visits. True. <laughs> That's true. You know what? I'm following Wendy Aarons on her trip to London this yes. week yeah. and seeing she found some incredible deals in London. So I'm yeah, gonna... she's my good friend. Wendy's on my text chat. So yes, yeah. yes. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I learn more about she's that. There. I know, but okay. So, okay. So those were some amazing, that was part of your look, listen, learn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Missy, yeah. I know we're getting close. We've got, you got one minute. Okay. 30 seconds. Cause I didn't do mine. Well, I never talk fast. I'll try. Um, one is, I don't know if you can see that Mary Oliver's devotions, I finally picked up a copy of this. I don't own any copies of her work. It's a thing that I have read all my life. You know, it shows up all over the place. She's quoted everywhere. It's all stuff that's in my awareness. Mm-hmm. But I thought I've never actually really studied the work. Um, I was a lit major, but I didn't really do a lot of poetry. So anyway, I'm studying that right now. And I just love every bit of it. Highly recommend that. And then my son is having to read 1984. Oh my god! This is my copy from high school. Yeah, um, he didn't want it though because um, first of all, I don't know if y'all can see this for people on YouTube. I mean, the, it's so tiny. What is this? <laughs> the words are this big, but even he, with his good young eyes, didn't want that. But he said the pages are all yellow and old, and I'm afraid they're going to fall out. Yeah, <laughs> so there might be some um, food droppings in there. Or something. Yeah, my name is scribbled in a couple places. Um, but anyway, since he was reading it, I thought I'm going to pick up my copy and reread it. I read about two pages. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know, guys, but it's I'm going to so try. Because our prophetic. reality is so much worse than that even could have predicted. Yes. I remember yes. hating it, hating the idea of it when I read it in high school. Like, oh, this is so awful what he's talking about. And now oh it's even gosh. harder to read. But that was you, before Big Brother literally became a game show on television. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and now we're like 20 years past that. Past that. Yeah, it's a lot harder to read. I mean, I opened it and was just like, oh, yeah, yeah I hope this isn't like a how-to manual for somebody. Oh. Um, you know, I so listened we'll to we'll that. See. I listened to that when uh, Handmaid's Tale originally came out. So I was like one-two punching those. And yeah, during the Trump administration, I know. I was like, what am I doing to myself? <laughs> but yeah, it's, I I encourage people to read it though. I mean, it, it really, especially the, like the Ministry of Changing News, like they literally will like, they will Ooh. disappear any yep any factual accounts of this and then reprint like what they want to have feel kind of people sick. think That's happened as like that sounds pretty close but mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. but on a brighter side my look yeah, you learns, happy. <laughs> <laughs> i'm doing a listen and and you kind of mentioned this too about like the the different things that we have at different points in our lives where the soundtrack of when I started my final job was Moby. It's when we used to go to New York for um, 
a bunch of client visits. I have my first clients lucky me um, back before we became public and we didn't have to like show anybody our bills at Avenue A. We would just be like, let's go to New York 20 times this month. And <laughs> and it felt like all the bars were always playing Moby. And that's what always I had on my AirPods. And so I decided I hadn't listened to it, I think, since then. And since I'm in my nostalgia tour of watching Sopranos right now for some reason, which I remembered I do have a reason. They have a new they have a new movie coming out. It's like a prequel. It's like the story of the uncle. Oh, I did. Um, did And it actually has James Gandolfini's son playing him. So I I remembered because the new trailer came out for it this week. And I was like, that's why we're watching The Sopranos. But I was about um, to ask if we could delve into your psyche of why you're on this why i'm just Retro reliving of, the 90s yes. yeah <laughs> I don't but know. i do i miss appointment television and how it gave us all <sighs> one thing to talk about like yes i love all this amazing content but we are never going to catch up and we are never going to be on the same page like yes. never. although you yes. know what i didn't even do uh sopranos as appointment television i did it as the original netflix the back when they just used to do oh, dvds yeah. <laughs> so we did it yeah. like that that's um, how we watched Entourage was on. Yeah. We'd have to send it back and get another one. But it's just, I just, I've been finding it very interesting. And then especially even with my little retro Apple um, AirPods here, the other thing that I used to listen to walking from my bus to work was Citizen Cope. And it was when I was working on the Apple account. So I was just like, even writing Citizen Cope while I was looking at myself in the camera with these on, I was like having this full body, like, Oh, I'm going to one of my Apple meetings because I always had to wear, I always had to have these near me. Like, look, I am supporting your product. Um, No, I had to present once at Apple with a Microsoft laptop. Oh, my (gasps) God. No, I had. I can't believe you survived. I can. I I can't believe nobody anticipated that and set me up in in a better situation. Yeah, (laughs) I can one. I can one up that because they were my client. Um, But we had we had the Apple laptops but we presented to oh shoot what is the name it's their powerpoint uh oh uh, shoot keynote keynote i was like i'm about to open it keynote yeah we presented to the keynote team on powerpoint PowerPoint. (laughs) i just didn't even know where and i was like waiting for my laptop to start you're going through and she was like if this was an apple it would have already started and i was just like Oh my God! But I don't have this one of those. This is about so. entertainment tonight. This isn't even about that. <laughs> this is in my ad sales years. Oh, oh I know. I'm sure. Yeah, painful. and our company's ad-serving software and all of our stuff that we did only worked on PCs. So that was a fun one to have to explain every time yeah. that we set up. Uh, some <laughs> yeah, technology you definitely advertise there. with us for sure. <laughs> yes. Give us your money. We really support you because look at yeah. I got the headphones. Yeah. I got oh, well. <laughs> they knew they had us all suckered in from the beginning, even if you at that moment didn't have the stuff. No, that was even before iTunes. We launched iTunes after that, but that was just when the original. We, I even have the same the one that spins around. Yes, like that's how you used to select. One. Yeah. yeah. My kids looked at it and they're like, is this like a paperweight? Like, what is about the size of this phone? Like, like with the one of my kids used it for a while as his music source. And at some point it wasn't supported. You couldn't put anything on it anymore. Yeah. But it had some music on it and he would bop around listening to whatever was in there. The five songs that fit on it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh. This was so much fun. We so uh, good to see you even through the computer. Yes. Oh, a little trip down memory lane. Yeah. I listened to some of your um, text chat group one and I was so heartwarmed when you mentioned listen to your mother like right yeah. away oh how you so many of other. us are connected that way i just yeah. love the whole ripple effect it's just amazing and it is so great yeah we yeah. probably bring up more than you can even imagine listen to your mother and the mom 2.0 conference mm-hmm. uh-huh. i think either one might come up anytime super connectors yeah. yeah it's just these super connector events and things that are just so special and yes yeah. uh, yeah, so, i'm so honored to have been part of it and this is i feel like i'm kind of meeting the queen like like i've never well, <laughs> back to my headset she's yes, princess Quite i know majestic. the princess <laughs> i do like the princess leia and i really think that you should uh patent that design yeah i'm going to <laughs> right after we get off the phone there yes. you go 
I was oh. going to look before we talked and I'll let you go. Does do the grade school columnist pieces still oh, exist anywhere? You're so sweet. Um, so funny. Those were so damn, funny. you know, Anne's rants doesn't really exist. Like it's, I think, it I think it's, it's folded into anemic.com. And I think I have like made all that old blog stuff private, but I've, yeah, I, I bring it out sometimes. Like I've experimented with different manuscripts, you know, you never know. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I love the grade school columnist. I'd Thanks. love to see her come back. She's I mean, if a you, genius. <laughs> if you love her, she was really influenced by Linda J. Berry. So I don't, who's a cartoonist okay. and, and I grew up reading her stuff and she writes kids like nobody and, and it's graphic novels, really. Um, yeah. Her work's amazing and she's, okay. she's actually local here, but you got to check her out. Oh, that's a okay. good book too. Yeah. We'll do. Yeah. All right. Wonderful. Cool. All right. Uh, well, thank you again so much Thanks for being part of the show. Thanks for having me. This is really special. Super fun. I appreciate it. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. And okay. best Bye. of luck to you in all yes. your new endeavors. Thanks. Yes. You guys thank too. You. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us for the mom and dot, dot, dot podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show today. And if you know someone else who could benefit from today's episode, be sure to share it with them. Also, please subscribe and rate us wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find links to all the things we discussed today in the show notes over at our website, momandpodcast.com with the A-N-D spelled out. In between shows, you can find us at the socials, including our private mom and community Facebook group. You can find links to the group, all of our socials, and our questions and comments section over at our website, momandpodcast.com. Thank you so much for your support. We appreciate you so much. Now go out there and make your ellipses count. <laughs>